0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks,
1: underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host Joe Prez, one of several lore-focused folks at Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Swamp of Terror. There is always a swamp of terror if you look hard enough. Uh Today we're to gonna... look enough. It's
0: right there in the mirror. Hi, Hi. <laughs> it's me, a swamp of terror.
1: I mean, I guess it's good to have goals. Uh, today, we're going to be taking a break from our series about the lore of the raids. Uh, last episode, we finished off with Ramos, how that fit into the greatest story and how it set the bar for everything that was so basically going to be coming after it. We'll be picking back up soon, but we wanted to take a break because, well... It's been a very interesting week lore-wise, and we're going to go ahead and take a a, sort of a look at what's recently happened in the 9.1 patch, the story that has unfolded quest-wise, as well as the story that has unfolded cinematic-wise. That said, today is going to have some spoilers, so if you are avoiding some of the things that happened at the end of the raid uh, or the cinematics, we'll see you next week. Um, I apologize for that, but this also needs to be something we, we kind of do in a timely manner. But before we even do that, I want to have a little bit of a serious uh, tone conversation here with everybody out there.
0: I want you guys to imagine that Joe has pulled the chair up and is now sitting facing the, the back of the chair.
1: Yeah, I'm basically looking like uh, Jim Belushi in that movie where he played the... Uh, the Principal for a school.
0: I was actually thinking of uh, the Captain America meme.
1: Oh, that too. Um, yeah.
0: So you, you need to hear about this important topic, because it is important.
1: This is a very important topic. Over the last week, uh, there has been some very polarizing uh, opinions about what has happened in the World of Warcraft 9.1 patch, uh, in particular revolving around the cinematic that we will be talking about today. As a result, some people either really, really loved it, or exceptionally hated it in such a way that they decided to do some things that were very not nice or smart. It is okay to not like things. It is okay to disagree with things. In fact, disagreeing with things and and finding a way that to make something better makes things better, if you do it in a constructive way. What is not okay, however, is to take your dislike of something and then translate that into personal hatred for the people that have created it. And we're seeing a lot more of this recently. And what I'm talking about is, in response to this cinematic, there were several people who decided that it was A-OK to levy death threats against people who work on this game, who worked on this content, who worked on the cinematic, or some people that just weren't even involved in it at all, but because of the content of it, because of their their feeling and their desire for it uh, to go a different way than it already did, they thought it was OK to levy death threats. Some of them decided that it was OK to try to dox people because showing their personal information online and laying it bare in conjunction with death threats apparently seemed like a reasonable response. Don't do that. That's not cool. That's not anything that is going to get you anywhere close to, in this case, what you want, which is somebody to make something different. That's not going to make anybody want to listen to you, and it's only going to do anything is run people away from the games that they we, we love and cherish. You want this game to stay around for a long time? Maybe don't threaten the devs at work. on. Huh? You want the story to go a different way? Maybe offer why you're upset in a constructive manner instead of saying, hey, I hope you die. It is never okay. To wish somebody harm simply because you do not agree with the way something has gone. And at the end of the day, and this is the harsh reality of it, while we play this game, and many of us have been playing this game for multiple decades, it's not our game. It is not our story to be told. We are not the ones at the helm. We are playing through somebody else's story. And that is the reality of it. If you do not like it, it is your prerogative to walk away from it. And that is a reasonable response. It is... Perfectly within the normal reason to offer criticism, saying, I did not like this because of this. Or I would have liked it better if this. Be constructive. Don't be a
0: jackass. Matt? I'll say this much. You don't even have to be constructive. I don't agree that you have to be constructive. I don't think Joe is saying that either. He's saying that if you want things to change, you should try to be constructive. And that's totally fine. But you don't even have to be constructive. You can just say, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And done with it. You can, you know... Maybe you don't have an, anything constructive to say. You don't. I don't know what they should have done differently, but they shouldn't have done this. Whatever. The, what we are looking at here is the minimal bar. The bar that is so low that it would be difficult to limbo under, but very easy to jump over. This is the tiniest of hurdles. This is practically just someone put a rock on the ground and you just pop over. The, if you fail at this simple thing, that you do not wish death, or harm upon people because they did they, they worked on a video game that did a story you don't like. And it, this doesn't have to be a video game. It could be a book, a movie, a TV show, a comic book, a, a wall mural. It doesn't matter. The, the baseline for interacting with any form of art or storytelling is you don't threaten people over it. And seeing this happen to multiple people, who work on World of Warcraft this week, filled me with a kind of savage loathing that I don't know how to express properly. The concept that, that you, someone... I'll be completely, brutally honest here. The beginning of Battle for Azeroth, the end of Legion and the beginning of Battle for Azeroth involved the burning of Teldrassil. I've talked about it a few times. I don't believe anybody is unaware that I did not like that. And I didn't, I wasn't, like, I didn't hide that. I wrote columns about it. I brought it up repeatedly.
1: We've talked about it on the podcast, both of them, a lot.
0: And I've never been shy about my not having liked it.
1: But Matt has never once threatened somebody over it.
0: No. And, and I went, I've actually said while I was saying I didn't like it, that it was well done. And that's a thing people often miss in critique, is that you can you can dislike a story, <clears throat> You can dislike the direction it went and still recognize the craft that went into it. The past three expansions have, in terms of storytelling in World of Warcraft, been quantum leaps in terms of how they tell the story, in terms of the flexibility of the story, in terms of the complexity of the story. And if you don't recognize that, then your your analysis of it is going to fail. I see a lot of really... <clears throat> I don't know if they're bad faith analyses. Juvenile
1: analyses, I guess I
0: would say. Sometimes I'd say surface level. Like where people are like, you know, one of the things that gets me is I've heard a lot of critique of of Shadowlands that, you know, the Jailer, we never heard of the Jailer before. So, you know, suddenly he's super important. And I'm like, how often did you hear about Ragnaros before World of Warcraft came out? He doesn't get brought up in any of the Warcraft RTSs. Nope. I mean. And how often did you hear about the Night Elves before Warcraft 3? Never. You never heard about them because they were just invented for Warcraft 3. And same with the Toren, by the way. Weren't any e. Tauren in Warcraft 1 or 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always going to be like storytelling stuff that you're going to have to accept and, and take. It's, it's, not, it's retconning in that it is retroactive continuity, yes. But it is not retconning in that it does not change the story. It, it is not them coming along and saying, relatively few times have we had what's an actual retcon in World of Warcraft. The Draenei were one. The Draenei retcon was a retcon it was yes. in, in both senses. Yes. It was retroactive continuity, and it completely changed the origins of the Eridar. That was brand new. <clears throat> Hadn't been done before that's rare in world of warcraft uh nothing in shadowlands is that kind of retcon it's all stuff that we we knew that the shadowlands were involved in undeath we knew that the shadowlands were involved in death knights we knew that arthas had a relationship to them we just didn't know much about them now we have actually been there and now we know more that's just you know foreshadowing and you know maybe they decided all this stuff more recently like They left it up to them to develop later. They may have just written it and said, "Okay, yeah, we'll we'll worry about what the Shadowlands are later." But we've seen with like the Odin stuff and the Valkyr back in Legion, they were thinking about this. Even before, I remember, I remember Joe and I talking about it at the time. I mean, they were thinking about it before that. But we saw the evidence of that back in Legion. We talked about like you know, there's our you know the Bolvar is making moves. The uh, Odin's eye thing is is really creepy and. There's just, just there's a lot of stuff to it. If your analysis isn't taking stuff into account, then it's going to end up taking you in the wrong direction. You're gonna you're gonna make errors in judgment in terms of what you think the story is. I feel like the story has been fairly clear about where it's going. This expansion,
1: and we're going to talk about that today. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Getting angry about a story you don't like is never going to be productive. Sometimes it can be fun. And there's nothing wrong with you, you and your friends sitting around and just bagging on something that you think is dumb. And like, how many people have done that for stuff I like? Like, I I actually liked Batman v Superman, and uh, almost all my friends have made fun of it. I I mean, literally hundreds of times. I've I've heard people make fun of it. They've made fun of the Martha thing, despite the fact that their names have been Martha forever. Both, you know, Clark Kent and Mm -hmm. Bruce Wayne have mothers named Martha. They always have. Um, And he's. I do think it's weird he said save Martha. He sh- probably should have said save my mom. But yeah, okay, the writer got a little contrived there. I can accept that. I can laugh at it too, even though I like the movie. That's all fine. You can you can even do like a CinemaSins mo- you know, I don't like CinemaSins videos. I'll be up front with you. But you could even do that kind of thing. Where you, you pick apart everything you think is a flaw in Shadowlands. And I would be totally on board. But when you start insulting the people who work on it. Going into personal attacks, trying to dox them, trying to hack their accounts, and threatening to hurt or kill them, or making veiled threats of their family members.
1: Which we, we have all seen this. This is not rhetoric. We, yeah, we have witnessed this. Week. This, this,
0: this week. week we have seen this. This week or the last week before it. We've seen all this. You know, To, to quote a, a brilliant philosopher, it's only game. Why you have to be mad? Because he's right. It's only a game. Yep. You know, or a story of any kind. It's only a book. And, it's only a movie. It's, it is it is never worth hurting someone over. or even, And it is hurting people to do these things to them. It is not just threatening to hurt them. It's actually hurting them. This hurts people.
1: I, I saw somebody who went through this who had their bank account locked. They couldn't feed their family. Like, how is that okay? They, they found out by going to the grocery store and they couldn't pay for groceries. That's not cool. It, don't Don't attack. Don't lash out. And we're not saying that it's, it's, you don't have to not get upset at things. It's okay. Absolutely. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to not be happy with where things are going. That's fine. Just don't be destructive about it. Don't try to take somebody else's livelihood or life or or anything and put it in jeopardy or, It's just not worth it. It's a story. It's a game. These are pixels. And when these servers go dark, because nothing lasts forever, it's not going to matter anyway. And you'll probably have long since forgotten about it. Just don't.
0: If anything in a story in a video game that you're playing makes you angry to the point where you actually think it's totally okay to be trying to figure out where they live, go do anything else. I mean, I'm, I'm deliberately not suggesting stuff that comes to mind because it's a little, you know, it's a little crass for RPG 13 yeah. times. But I mean, go for a walk, go, go play punch out or something. Go, go to the store and, uh, you know, go to a park, pet your dog or cat. If you have a dog or a cat, consider adopting one. If you're a good person and we'll take care of it, don't return it. That's bad. Um, just there's just so much else you can do instead of this stuff. That, and it's not just because it's bad to other people. It's not worthy of you. This is not who you should be. It it, it isn't going to help you in life if you allow yourself to become so violently angry over things that are not things you like. I mean, life is going to have setbacks. It's going to have real problems. You're going to have things happen to you that you're going to have to get through even though they're awful. And if you don't know how to ameliorate your response, if you don't know how to moderate it, you're just going to end up hurting yourself it's just i mean and i uh, this is something i learned from experience i had a really rough 20s i straight up don't even to this day looking back at it like yeah wow i wish i could do that over again in a lot of ways i look at people who fly off their the handle over a video game or a movie or a book or whatever and i recognize it i recognize that behavior i Mm -hmm. recognize that 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 mindset i there but for you know circumstance could have been me and you know, the people who work on this game, I, I I remember I wrote a post for the site based on something that Craig Amai said, and uh, he he's a big deal over at Blizzard. He's currently leading a team. Uh, he worked on World of Warcraft as one of the principal designers for years. And he talked about at one point seeing criticism that was like it wasn't even like it wasn't an attack even. It was perfectly, you know, civil criticism but it was criticism that assumed he didn't care about something that he cared very deeply about. And it made him like not want to be working. It made it, it made, it was like destructive. It was an assumption of his motives. And he was like, you know, they don't know me. They don't know what I'm thinking or feeling. And they just assume. And we see that all the time. We see that with people like, Oh, this, this month this expansion was worked on by the B team uh, or what have you. It's like, it's dismissive. It's based on information you don't actually have. Um, they have multiple teams. They don't just have two. They have lots of teams. There are a lot of people working on World of Warcraft. There, there's like, there's like two different quest teams. Uh, if, if I think maybe even more. I, there's I've more. It's yeah. been a while. Then I've, you know, I, I just one of my friends just recently left. So, but point being, you know, if you're not there, you don't know their motives. You don't. It's, it's fair to just take take your problem with the work and keep it confined to the work. If you have a problem with the storyline in World of Warcraft, talk about that storyline. It there's no one person at Blizzard you can point to and say it's that person, they did the thing I don't like. Whoever that person is, there's just there's no one person who is responsible for the story of World of Warcraft at this point. It is a team exercise and it's not even just the people in narrative. It's not just the quote-unquote writers because there are game designers and artists and sound designers and all those people have influence over where the story goes because sometimes it's like well we can't do that you're going to need to change it so it can because we can only do this and that changes the story you get there's forces and pressures at play that you don't know about or don't think about it's just keep your criticisms confined to the work if you you know if you're going to criticize it at all and you're perfectly valid to do that. I, I criticize it. Joe criticizes it. There's you've, stuff... You've heard us happening. do it, yeah. You know, that's what this show is. It's us discussing lore. One of the things we do is say, wow, yeah, that that wasn't great. And we've argued about it. And I think one of the strengths of World of Warcraft as a narrative, and I, I want to let Joe talk about this as well, but one of the strengths is that it is such a group exercise. And I, I you don't want to drive these people away from it. You, you don't want to weaken... What is its greatest strength?
1: Yeah, and, and I think that, uh, not to beleaguer the point, and we can. I think we should start talking about the actual development of the story, but everything that we've talked about here, I hope that if you are listening to this, I hope that you are one of the people that are doing the right thing and not trying to take it out on individuals. Uh, I like to think we're better than this as a community, and this community has some really good parts to it. I'd like to see those good parts continue to stick around and not get drowned out by the handful of people that decide that this terrible behavior is okay. But I think we've talked about that enough. Thank you very much for bearing with us. And thank you very much for keeping our community uh, as good as it can be. But instead, I think we're going to switch gears and talk about the story so far, because I think it is kind of important to sort of realize how far we've come and how much more is is yet to come. So
0: I I going to emphasize something Joe pointed out the other day. This is patch nine point one
1: this is the end of act one
0: yeah if we're if we're going to at least have one more patch and probably two more, and I'm just talking major patches here. I'm not even talking the point oh five ones like the nine one five the the nine two five I'm not t- even talking about those. we're going to at least have a nine point two and probably a nine point three and maybe even a nine point four because this feels like an expansion that could go longer than normal and for good reason, this is all new yeah. content and yeah i I just wanted to say that so.
1: Yeah, and I understand, and we did get the comment uh, a few times where uh, people say that they are tired of the wait-and-see rhetoric, but unfortunately, we are in a territory where it is wait-and-see. That is the very nature of MMOs. But where we are so far has been from the very beginning. So we opened up the expansion chasing after Sylvanas. Uh, She had been found out uh basically to be doing her own thing, working with uh, nefarious energies and, and beings beyond this mortal veil that did not have our best interests at, at heart, and we couldn't fathom why. And it was a great betrayal of the Horde and everything else that anybody possibly could have stood for and put some of her terrible actions... Uh, not necessarily into light, but now that she was serving a different master, maybe it made a little more sense. We're talking about like the burning of Teldrossel and things like that. But at the end of BFA, when we begin our chase of her to the beginning of Shadowlands, where that chase leads to the, the top of Crown Citadel, in which the Helm of Domination is shattered. The veil between reality, our prime material plane in the Shadowlands, is ripped asunder and us as the players have to travel into the Shadowlands as mortals, a place we are not supposed to be, to find out what in the heck is happening. What did you think about the, the where the, the expansion started?
0: You know, I think I was upfront with not knowing what was going on. Like I remember saying at the time that this feels like the, this is one of the newer ideas that they've had, that we've never really known much of anything about the Shadowlands, and now we're getting an entire expansion about the Shadowlands. In a way... It's the Emerald Dream expansion people always wanted.
1: Just not the Emerald Dream.
0: It's just not the Emerald Dream, but it is going to another entire realm of existence and experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's as storytelling goes, there were some pros and cons to this. One of the both pros and cons for me was the linear nature of the storytelling this time. The last several expansions, going back to Warlords, although Warlords at least was was a bit more linear, both Legion and Battle for Azeroth were extremely flowchart-oriented. You got to the, you know, you got through the opening quests that got your character to the places they were going to be, and then you picked wherever you wanted to go. And... Even when you went over to the other person's continent in BFA, like you went over to Zandalar, if you were Alliance, or you went over to uh Heroes for your Horde, you still got to pick which of the zones you went to and what you did. It, it wasn't, like I said, it was flowchart. If you go here, you do this. If you go there, you do that. And that worked fine. I think both Legion and BFA, that worked fine. Uh, but for Shadowlands, and I think this was a, the right call, they wanted you to have a unified experience because there there were no, it didn't do what BFA didn't give like some some zones are Horde native, some zones are Alliance native. Everybody was going to places they'd never been before, things they'd never seen before, experiencing things they didn't know anything about. It was all brand new. So it makes sense that you wanted to, at least the first time you played through it, you wanted to know, okay, you go from the Maw to Oribos to Bastion to Ardenweald, no, to, to Maldraxis to Ardenweald. And finally the Revendreth and each of the stories, since we now know where, what order you're going in, we can now outline how each one zone affects the next zone. It's not like if you just decide to go to Revendreth first, then you can't have anything in the story that carries into Revendreth, mm-hmm. you know, but in the, because they did it the way they did it, you, you now okay, everything I just did in Maldraxxus is what's led me to Ardenweald. Everything I'm doing in Ardenweald is why I'm now going to to Revendreth. The zones follow each other. their 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 narrative line is is clear and consistent. The through line of the of the story, leading you from, you know, level fifty and just jumping into the maw to level sixty, and picking a covenant. The through line is consistent. It is, and it's different.
1: It's different. It's different. What we just experienced in Battle for Azeroth, too, right? Like the, even when you picked a uh, faction and you or, or, or a place to start, you chose where you went, and because of that non-linear storytelling, it's just a much, much different experience.
0: Yeah, I mean the the the, the Legion and BFA experience is very much kind of like a, a world is on fire. Pick a place to go, um, and Shadowlands is very much a you are stepping forward into a place you know nothing about. So you can't make choices.
1: Yeah. Your first step is to figure out what the heck is even going on.
0: Yeah. And it's very much Oribos. When you get to Oribos, the place, you know, it's like they don't even have the ability to send you to the other places. They like barely have enough resources to get you to the first place. And that tells you something about the world. Like the anima drought of Shadowlands isn't of itself a narrative tool that is involved in the shaping of the story that the, the the shadowlands are disordered they are broken uh we see this the entity called the arbiter who seems to be the the person in char- the being in charge of of the afterlife and that being is is just laying there dormant not doing anything and you, everything is disordered that the, the the way things are supposed to be is not in place and that's very much something that you learn through your through doing i right? through playing the, that story At the same time, I did feel sometimes like, "Oh God, okay, I'm on my fourth character and I'm doing the exact same thing." And as a story, that can get kind of hard to do. Like, there's a feeling of, "Oh man, if this was Battle for Azeroth, I could go someplace different this time and I could do it in a different order." And that's not that's not how Shadowlands is doing its story. Um, But I think overall, it's a narrative strength of this expansion.
1: And, and I would tend to agree. And I think that's one of the things that I do actually enjoy about this compared to the previous two is that there is a, a direction. There is a flow to it story wise which sort of lends itself to the fact that unlike the other ones, and I think this may be where some people are starting to have some problems with the way story is sort of un- unfolding and developing in Shadowlands, is for the last two expansions, your major content releases were punctuations to stories and then shifting to another story. Um, while there was a big overarching sort of like theme The individual components that made up Legion were individual stories that were kind of slotted into the larger invasions subplot or overplot, whatever. Uh, In Battle for Azeroth, you had each one of those little content releases punctuated it ended one story. And then moved on to another piece of it. And yes, it all it all moved into the larger story. But at the end of it, like what we did with Nazoth had nothing to do with what we did with Azara, had nothing to do with what we did with uh Gahoon in terms of those. They were basically episodic arcs, if anything. Here, however, this is a long format storytelling where everything's sort of like you point out with the leveling experience that sort of set the tone for it after you were done with the leveling experience then you had the same thing with your covenant story and the covenant story followed a very specific arc um if you were arden weld you got to learn about uh the heart of the forest you got to learn about what happens with anima and the groves you got to learn about the drust you got to learn about what happened with the night warrior in particular as well as the night elves that happened to burn with teldrossel and that is your entire arc is containing within What happens with Ardenwell. With Bastion, it's why is everything going sideways? Why are the moths worn here? What is happening? Why are we losing aspirants? Why why is why are we, you know, why is all these things happening? The only thing that unified them Beyond was the major story of the anima drought and what was happening and what was happening with Revendreth. And if you notice it when you finish your leveling experience and Revendreth explodes, your covenant is still dealing with its own problem before it can ever deal with anything else and so that's part of that story and then once that gets caught up now you move into the aftermath now you move into well now we've fixed the anima shortage or at least mostly we've completed repelling or fixing or resolving most of what was happening in our individual covenants now now it's time to move on and take the fight to the jailer and his uh his people, his assault on us. Now it's time to try to reverse the fight. And it's all one cohesive narrative. And I think that's what, I think we're not used to it anymore at this point, because that was how wrath of the Lich King played out. That was more or less how cataclysm sort of played out. Um But like, I think even warlords was a little disjointed as well. Right.
0: Oh yeah, obviously warlords. I mean, it had the, you started in like either frostfire Ridge or shadow Valley. But after that, you could pick where you went. Like, there was, like, some level restrictions. But if you were, like, the right level, you could pick whatever zone you wanted to go to next.
1: Yeah, but I went from, like, it, but I mean, it went from the Iron Horde to the Fell Horde to the Legion. Like, there were these punctuations, right? Like, there were these, these yeah,
0: stops. I, it, although it, it felt very much like a, for lack of a better word, a, con- a series of con- consistently unfolding disasters. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, one of the things about Shadowlands that I, I think we could benefit from talking about too is that the entire expansion is in a very real way an answer to that idea that you know we don't know who the jailer even is yeah that's why the expansion is featuring him so heavily and that's why we we one of the complaints about arthas when in in wrath of the Lich King one of the complaints we've heard for years one of the complaints we've made is that arthas would show up kind of like do a little super villain monologue and then leave and it was like what was the point of that and we talked about that like a lot at at length we've talked about it. I don't think people really understand that so far Zoval has kicked our leaps every time we've we've interacted with him
1: mm-hmm.
0: like he is winning and he's winning convincingly he, he's not losing, and we're not like this is not one of those things where we're getting you know it's that was only a setback speeches after we you know totally mopped the floor with somebody. He's beating us, and that's refreshing. We've talked for years about how. We wanted a World of Warcraft where it felt like there were real stakes where you know there was actually a threat that we might lose. So far we have done nothing but lose. Yeah. We have not stopped this guy. We've not really even slowed him down. We actually handed him the guy he was looking for and he used that guy to totally spank us. I mean, it's it's just that simple.
1: Yeah, and I mean and that's and that's quite different because even if you look at the most recent one, you look at Battle for Azeroth and we handily defeated Gahoon it really wasn't that big of a struggle we handily defeated Zul uh we went through like we didn't really get a whole lot of opposition the entire way through in any capacity and part of that was by design part of that was just that sort of how we were feeling powerful and in, in where we are at the story at that point even Nazoth technically wasn't really that hard of a thing for us to deal with in terms of just time in general um but now, Matt's absolutely right. We've been on the back foot the entire time, and even now, in patch nine point one, it's very, very apparent and I think we should kind of talk about um Corthia and sort of the sanctum of domination and how sort of all that that sort of plays out right so with Corthia. The jailer's looking for something. We still don't really necessarily know exactly what he was looking for, looking for ancient knowledge, because that's what Corthia is. But it's knowledge, and, and it's a repository, and it's sort of got all these things that were sort of lost and fragmented when whatever happened in the Shadowlands happened. And that's what we are trying to figure out as players. As he's going and trying to look for his things, we're trying to figure out, one, what he's looking for, two, what this place was, three, what happened? Why was this place fragmented and how could it possibly be pulled into the Maw when... And then we're trying to figure out, does that mean that it can happen to the other Covenant areas? Does it can it happen to the other land masses in Shadowlands? We have no idea. We're still figuring that out. And that's one of the mechanics of Corthia that actually is informed by the storytelling. You're gathering research with a brand new archivist, somebody who is brand new to their role and learning the mysteries of this area as well as you are, and you are researching it together through artifacts, through things that you're gleaming from the area, and trying to figure out what's happening. And that is sort of like an important moment, because that's what we've been doing pretty much this entire expansion, if you really think about it, because we have no idea what we're doing. And by the time we have an idea, even remotely what we're doing, now we move into the raid, and we move to the Sanctum of Domination, where the Jailer's not even there, he he doesn't he he's doing other things. He's left Sylvanas and her forces behind in this inner sanctum, and when everything is said and done, he goes off and does something else. Because we're still trying to figure out we, what he's doing, where he's going, what his end game is. We're on the back
0: foot the entire time. We're playing catch up. And I and I thought I I really want to talk about this. And please, it's. it's- we had suspected from the beginning. I remember the three of us back when it was three of us talked about this. The The fact that the jailer had a big gaping hole in his chest mm-hmm. and the arbiter was a big glowing thing with a giant ball in her chest. We're like, wait, does that thing fit in the hole? I think. And it wasn't just us. Lots of people said yeah, I'm was... not trying to pretend that we were like, oh, we are these geniuses. Or so. No, lots of people like, why does he have a big hole in his chest? Why is the arbiter like? Well, does the arbiter fit in the hole in his chest? The answer is yes. The story is not. This is the thing I actually really like about Shadowlands. It we there's lots we don't know, but it's not cheating. Yeah, the stuff is out there. You can like like my theory that the Primus was the rune the rune carver. Hmm. That that was because there's lots of evidence for it. The 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 game never lied to us. It didn't pull a fast one. It didn't have us get there and be like, no, he's not the Primus even though the game wanted you to figure it out the game wants you to know that this stuff is happening and it's been really interesting to watch it happen because we are there's that old idea that we're basically on the back foot because the jailer knows what his plan is and he's smart enough not to tell us what and, it is and not
1: even he's smart enough not to even to tell the person that is supposed to be his most trusted general or lieutenant like he doesn't tell them because they have no idea what his actual goal is that becomes very apparent
0: He does not tell anybody what he is doing. He just tells them to do it. Do this thing. You know, what is my reasoning? I don't... You don't... What do you need to know my reasoning? You don't.
1: I'm bigger and more powerful than you and can snuff you from existence. Do what I say.
0: Exactly. And it's just really... It's fascinating to watch it because it's simultaneously very simple and very complex at the same time. Because it is as simple as a plate spinning on a stick and as complex as keeping 20 of them going at once. it's really just it's good the problem is i think there there's a certain amount of problem in that it took so long for us to get this patch i would agree the patch is good the story is good i'm i'm really thinking this is one of their best story patches in a long time but i th- do think that having to wait this long for it like ah we knew we we knew going on for months and months we've been speculating about the narrative and now and again it's the same thing. All the stuff was there in the game to get you to speculate on them. The, the game did not obfuscate this. It, it was very much a... The narrative team did a really good job of putting the pieces out there and letting us work on what they might mean. Yep. And it, it hasn't done anything like pull the rug out from under it or do any switches. Um, Joe and I are comic book nerds, so we both know the Armageddon 2001 thing <laughs> where <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely. supposed to be Captain Adam and they, they chickened out at the last moment. Yep. They haven't done any of that. And that's really refreshing. But at the same time, I get feeling like I waited this long and this is it's like Joe said earlier about people being like, you know, I'm tired of being told to wait and see. So I guess let's talk
1: about that a little bit. I think this is I think this is a good opportunity to go into the actual Sylvanas cinematic. Would you agree? Uh,
0: Well, should we talk about the other Sylvanas cinematic? Because we didn't talk about that one. Yeah. Go for it. Okay,
1: Start with that one. Um,
0: the Ardenweald. Basically, what happens to, to break it down in a pressies format is that, as part of his plan to gain all the sigils, um, the jailer sends his you know Anduin robot and Sylvanas to attack Ardenweald. And Sylvanas manages to pull through the TerraGru, or at least a TerraGru. You know, I, I don't know if it was the one. It looks it's like there's
1: multiples, but yeah, a behemoth yeah. of some sort
0: pulls through a big, a big monstery thing, a big screaming robot death monster, and. It does the big screaming death robot monster thing, and then suddenly just kind of goes and keels over, and Taronda has arrived. And I'm sorry, I, I'll be completely honest with you guys. I am one of the people who is disappointed in the end of this cinematic. Which is fair. It is a totally yeah, it, fair it, yeah. disappointment value, opinion was, to have. I was on Cloud9 for like 95% of it. I thought, this is great. And then at the end, I'm, a, I'm like, ugh. And not because there's anything wrong with the story beats. I think Joe's theory about it is actually pretty valid. I think what happens is a loon going, no, if I let you kill her, you'll die. Because but-
1: they, they, they make that pretty, this is another, another case of they put those pieces in the game, right? They, mm-hmm. When you deal with Theron when you do the Ardenweld stuff, that's what they're hinting at. They're hinting at that once the task is complete, the vessel burns up.
0: And they tried to stop it, but they wasn't they tried to share the power between the two of them, but since it was just the two of them, the power killed them both. And that's all there. I think Joe is right in that. You see basically Taronda Sylvanas fighting is and keep in mind that Sylvanas, you know, beat the Lich King. And then you she, have
1: Taronda yeah. who handily beats Sylvanas.
0: Yeah. She doesn't just beat her, she's she's literally slapping her around. Like, you know, upsets her uh, makes, you know, tells her about Nathanos' death, which she had not been told about. And when she runs away, when Sylvanas runs away, S- S- Tyrande basically Super Saiyans and blasts into her in the sky. I mean, it's just it's amazing. I it's a
1: beautiful scene. That.
0: Yes. But at the end, my problem is... That Sylvanas got to get deliver another one liner and escape. I w- I wanted to see like actual injury to Sylvanas, like not just getting choked on the ground. Like I would have loved, loved to have seen an arm get flown get torn off. You know, I'm I'm talking battle damage here. I wanted to see that. I didn't get it, so I was a little disappointed. But still, the cinematic does an amazing job of setting up the status quo for these characters going forward, where they're going to be. That Taranda doesn't get her vengeance, but You know, it's clearly not because she wasn't powerful enough to get it. Something else is at work. Um, Alun definitely. It's like at the last moment, Alun pulls her back. Alun's like, "No, don't." Because if you do, you'll 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 be dead, and I don't want you dead. So, I think that that is probably what happens. But it is still, in my opinion, a remarkable cinematic. It's it's visually stunning. It does a great job of of paying off a lot of what we've been seeing about these characters this whole expansion.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Just. Really, really enamored of it. I just, I was disappointed at the end. What the cinematic does very well, in addition to basically showing you how these characters have changed since the last time you saw them, uh, it shows you, like, where Sylvanas is, both mentally and physically. It shows you where Taranda is. It shows you that the matchup is not even. Like, I think to a degree, it feels like the perfect response to people's upsets about Taranda at Darkshore. Yeah. You know, she just killed a couple of. Valkyrie left what's what's the big deal what you know i thought she was really powerful she is really powerful she just didn't consider them worth her time just like when she kills nathanos she doesn't kill nathanos as this great this great explosion of vengeance she kills nathanos like you would scrape something off your shoe yeah it's a
1: one shot like completely dismissive and like it just shows how superior she is to him in every possible way
0: this fight Is all about. This is the person I wanted. This is the moment I wanted. And Taronda is not really capable of understanding at this point what will happen when she's done. And and it's focused on vengeance. Go ahead. I
1: was going to say, and it shows it after that cinematic is done too. When that power is pulled away from her, Yessera has to come in and run off Sylvanas because Tarond, with that power pulled from her can't even stand she's in the fetal position on the ground unconscious and that sort of sets the tone and shows you exactly what kind of happens with the night warrior's power i often the way that i've been referring to this with people when i've been talking with them is that the night warrior's power doesn't necessarily feel like it makes her any more powerful than she already is it simply removes her limiters where she can't really feel the pain of what she's doing. She doesn't have the inhibitions that keep her from going above and beyond. And as a result, when that power isn't there to dull the pain, to uh, make it, you know, her body basically be able to withstand it, to have that sort of superhuman-esque level of, of denial of pain, she collapses. And I think that's more what happens, right? Because, like, when she's calling down the power and going Super Saiyan, that's essentially the same thing she did when she used to call down Starfall. It's just internal instead of external. Um, when well, she... I mean, if you've
0: ever played the, the, this is something you've talked about before, um, when you do the end time dungeon and you mm-hmm. face Miranda in the darkened, you know, ruins of the, the dragon shrine, she's calling down Elune's power and she's destroying things with it. It's, it's, it's a very hard fight. But and it, I think that's very similar in terms of what it looks like. It's I would very agree. It's very to the Night War.
1: I would agree. And I, but I think it sets the tone, right? And I think that sort of gives us where they're at. So after that, Sylvanas leaves. Uh, we find out that that was all a distraction. And Anduin was really in the heart of the forest, uh, the, basically getting his sigil out of the, the, the heart uh, for Zolval. And... Sylvanas retreats to the sanctum of domination. That's that's her home base. That's where her nine are. That's where the forces that she's been given command of are. And there's where she waits for us. And that's where the start of the raid. And at this point you make your way through the raid. There are several story beats inside of it that we can talk about. Um, but most importantly, like, uh, the things that I think are, are standout is you do face her nine. All of those Valkyr that we have been destroying for years at this point uh, that have been sacrificing themselves to bring her back from whatever void or Shadowlands she was to her unlife, life, they didn't disappear. They just went back to the Shadowlands. In fact... As you go and and get to that encounter, you're seeing the last one of them, the one that I believe that was killed by Tyrande herself, um, being reborn. And you're seeing all of that happen. And you see that, yeah, the power of the Jailer just basically remakes them. They just use the anima to remake them into a maw-sworn form. They're not Valkyr anymore. They're closer to Kyrian. They're closer to their true form. Uh, You defeat them. You put them down hopefully for good, we don't know yet. Um, You make your way through the remnants of Ner'zhul, which is an absolutely fascinating encounter because it is the bits and pieces of Ner'zhul that were the Lich King. This is the leftovers, but are still present still there and still have sort of the, the flavor memory of who he was in life. And he is being not necessarily tortured, but used. And we don't know to what ends yet um, by the jailer's minions. And then we put him down and take that away from him. uh the, the Sanctum of Domination has a lot of really important story beats. It also gives us the final fate of Garrosh Hellscream, which was a very divisive moment as well. And people either loved this or hated this. But and again, I said there's going to be mild spoilers. Mild spoilers here. Garrosh is being tortured because his anima is forever. He will not get rid of his pride. He will not repent. There is no redemption for him because, as he says after we unchain him everything I did, I would do again. I would make the same choices. And we've been saying that forever, that who we saw, what Garrosh was, was not some perversion of who he was. It was simply him turned to 11. That's who he was. He was making those choices because he believed that they were the best choices that he could possibly make at the time for his people. Whether it was right or wrong doesn't matter. He believed in his heart of hearts that he was doing the right thing. And That is evident in this encounter when the the cinematic plays and he says, no, I would do the same thing over again. Those are the choices that I made. Those are me. Those are my choices. I made them. And then he blows himself up rather than repent, rather than have an existence like even Kalthas is sort of on this road of redemption-ish type thing now. We have him helping us try to bring peace or or try to rectify the Shadowlands. Garrosh, mm -mm, nope, he doesn't feel remorse. There's nothing wrong with his brain or his mind, his spirit. And so he blows himself up. And all that leads us to the final encounter with Sylvanas. After you defeat Sylvanas, she runs away. And we knew that we weren't going to kill her in this raid. This is patch 9.1. And we've been saying this for a long time. Her story, whether you love or hate her, is too important to finish just right there. There's more story to be told. And so she runs back to Zoval next to Anduin, and watches as Anduin gives him the absolute last sigil. And Matt, would you like to talk
0: about that cinematic? Yeah, basically... Um, I'm trying to figure out exactly how to explain it. Uh, you, when When you come into the cinematic... The Thrall, uh, Jaina, and the Lich King are all basically chained up by Zoval's power. Like, he, he basically gets the sigil, and what he's been doing this whole time, what he's been building up to, has been that thing we talked about before, that, that hole in Zoval's chest.
1: Making himself complete again.
0: Yeah, he, he basically draws the Arbiter into himself, and it turns out the Arbiter is just what they took from him. Yep. When mm-hmm. they bound him. Uh, we've been hearing from the beginning the arbiter doesn't make mistakes. The arbiter makes the right choices, and now we're we're learning that the arbiter is just a part of Zoval. Which we've been speculating that Zoval was kind of the, the the Lord High Puba of this whole shebang from the beginning, and now that seems pretty much on the nose. The, if, if if we think of these guys as the pantheon of death, the jailer was the Amanthul of it,
1: which would explain how he knew how to make the Kieran. Uh, it would ex- uh, the it would explain how he knows how to make Mothsworn. It would explain why he understands how to ferry the souls to where they need to go, because that's what his job
0: was. And making him the Jailer of the Damned as his punishment just gave him a place to rebuild and regroup. And now he's completed that. And he, when he absorbs the Jailer, he changes. Uh, Joe was quick to point out, and I think someone else pointed it out to Joe, that he very much resembles a drust. Very much so. Um, or... He also kind of looks like the armor you get if you were a, a plate wearer and you're doing the Ardenweald thing. Yeah. It's that similar kind of woody, but it's very, it looks very Drusty. Um, Drusty. <laughs> it,
1: remi- it reminds me of the masks that the Drust are using to uh, take over the, uh, the the fawns, essentially.
0: And it, it does, if it, if it is related, it means that there's now a connection between the Drust invasion of Ardenweald and everything that's happened since. Um, because we, as we pointed out, the Heart of the Forest was used as part of the banishing in the first place. The Heart of the Forest is where the sigil was. It wasn't on the Winter Queen. It was in the Heart of the Forest. So that's interesting, but it doesn't actually tell us. What happens in the cinematic is, is interesting for its own right, too, though. When Zoval successfully claims the power of the Arbiter, he, he, you see him change. He's now strong enough to force people to just kneel to him. And he begins doing a speech about how he's going to remake everything. That, the, you know, the universe, the, you know, life and death cycle, everything, the Shadowlands, it's all wrong. It's all broken. Uh, he says, the, you know, he's, he's no longer going to be constrained by the flawed design of, of you know, the, the first ones and that everything will serve him. And it's that statement that everything will serve him that finally pushes Sylvanas over the edge. And she's been teetering for a while. And we've seen that in this expansion, too the
1: sidelong glances at anduin Mm -hmm. the the questioning of what's going on and let's and again, we'll go back to some of the earlier cinematics, like with Anduin before he was becoming a drone piloted by Zoval, um, before he was chained to his will, he brought up points to Sylvanas that were essentially shaking her, her bedgra- or bedrock of, of faith in what the plan was. It was already there. That's been being laid in from the very, very beginning. Heck, the first time you go to rescue him in the maw, that entire questline, the first thing you do is listen to their interaction. Go back and listen to that quest he's chained, beaten on his knees and still pointing out to her that you're doing the exact things that you said you would never
0: well it's like you know you you know what's the difference between you and arthas you know and she finally like realizes okay he's not going to do what he said he was going to do he's not going to make a a more fair universe where stuff like what i went through doesn't happen he's just going to make himself ruler of everything Mm -hmm. and you know, of course, the idea that she could defeat him at that point by shooting him was the time to do that was before he absorbed all the power of the Arbiter, Sylvanas. I don't think I don't think you had much of a chance before, but you definitely don't now. Uh, but regardless, he she attacks him and, and kind of as a punishment, but also kind of as a reward, because she was instrumental in his accomplishing his goal. Without Sylvanas he would not have done it. He she was very important in his plan. So, as a sort of reward punishment, he pulls forth the soul fragment that we knew existed because of the. Because story. everything that happened with oh. Uther. And, and yes, everything that happens with Uther as well. He pulls forth the soul fragment and crushes it and f- enforces the soul back into Sylvanus before he leaves. And what's interesting about this to me is that a lot of people took this to be like, oh, we're going to get a redemption storyline.
1: Yeah, and I, I was going to bring this up. Like,
0: Go You go ahead. Go yeah. ahead.
1: This is the part that I have trouble reconciling. And I've actually had a lot of, of very um, passionate discussions, not angry discussions, but passionate discussions with folks about this. Nothing in this cinematic to me says that she is now a good guy. The only thing that happens in this cinematic is something that we talked about multiple years ago and it was what would be the best punishment for sylvanas other than death because death is a release death is something she's craved that that black oblivion of not feeling anymore would you make her feel again you give her back the pieces of her soul that she's been trying to deny herself because and we talked about this with the forsaken they are extreme caricatures of what they used to be in life they are not the same entity now she is. She is that complete experience of her life, every love, every loss, her sense of duty, everything that was perverted into this ruthless, uh, Machiavellian villain. Now is, it's not necessarily gone, but now she has to deal with the consequences of everything she did. The cinematic doesn't go into what happens afterwards, uh, and we're not talking about well, anything beyond that cinematic.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a, well, we can talk a little bit about the literal conversation that the after this happens, after Zobalt does that, he turns and says, you know, come to Anduin, because Anduin is like his little robo friend. And he's like, you know, we go now to reshape the, you know, the cosmos. We go now to reality's end. And they leave. And the other, th- you know, he even says, I leave you to the mercies of you know, of these others. And he leaves. And Sylvanas, like, collapses and says, you know, he must be stopped before he. And then she falls down and goes unconscious. And Anduin after-
1: drops the compass with his dad's
0: picture. Yeah. Afterwards, uh, Jaina, Thrall, and uh, Bolvar are like, you know, we got to find out what, what she was saying. We, they couldn't hear her. What she says, we hear because we're watching the cinematic. They don't hear it. They, so Jaina's like, she was saying something. I couldn't hear it. And they're like, okay, we got to keep her alive and find out what she knows. There's, I, I really do think that, you know, it, there might be a redemption storyline. I don't know. But this wasn't a good thing for no. her. This is like the worst thing I can imagine because now Sylvanas has to be Sylvanas. And now she has, she has have to deal with feelings, it. feelings about it. Like, do you remember war crimes does a really good job of setting this up. When Sylvanas begins to have emotions about her sister, mm-hmm. she starts to remember what it was to feel. She, she just, she, she compares it to like having a phantom limb and suddenly feeling it, even though, you know, you don't have the limb anymore. You can still feel like you have it. Your, 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 your mind still tells you, oh, yeah, my shoulder hurts. It's like, my shoulder can't hurt. I don't have a shoulder there anymore. But the, you're still getting the pain signal. That's what she compares it to. Now you've got the limb again, but the pain is back because the limb isn't healed. The you limb isn't made whole. Um, if you look at what happened to Uther, when when uh, both of them were killed with Frostmort which I believe was the clue in the Uther cinematic was always meant to be applied to Sylvanas because they were both killed with with Frostmourne. He isn't better now. Like, he's he's better in that he understands what happened to him, and he's, you know, he's made decisions to better, you know, go along with what he actually wanted. And we could talk more about this, but I think we're probably going to be low on time. But Sylvanas has not been given a gift here. This is the well, if if you consider it a gift, it's the kind of gift that comes with some pretty heavy costs. Mm-hmm. She's going to remember everything she did. And not and- only
1: that, but like now think about this, too. We haven't seen her sisters at all. This expansion. What's going to happen when they inevitably show up? Both of them, because they're going to. There is no chance at all that Verisa and Alaria um, do not show up. And what happens then? What happens when Sylvanas has to look upon her sisters? One, see, one of her sisters is basically being consumed by the void slowly on the inside out. Um, two, see the sister that she was going to kill to be reunited with in undeath because she missed her so much. It again, th- this is not a gift. And I'm not saying that this is this is good or bad, and, and again, your opinions on this, how you feel about this are definitely valid, and they are your f- opinions out there, folks. But it is going to make for some very interesting interactions with a lot of these NPCs, because for years and years, Sylvanas has been interacting with them, but has been completely devoid of the emotion of caring what her actions did. Now she has to realize everything she's done and face it when she looks at Jaina, When she, what she did with his brother. Uh, she's going to have to, to consign, like look at Bane at some point and realize everything she did to Bane.
0: And plus, I mean, forget for a moment the fact that she is now feeling again. Even without the Jailer's Gift, the past several years of her life were all wasted. And yeah, she... That
1: yeah, she everything
0: didn't. she did, even if she wasn't cursed with her, you know, soul now, you know, reunited, she now realizes that everything she did, all the the steps she took, all the pact she made, was a lie. She was never going to get what she wanted. She was being used. He played her. Yep. Solana's Windrunner does not want to be played.
1: <laughs> that might be an understatement.
0: So, combining those two things, yeah, this is going to be fascinating i don't i am not one of those people who is a big sylvanas like i i as a force in the story i like sylvanas as a actual character i like to hate Mm sylvanas and i'm totally okay with that that's what i believe she's for like some people just love her other people like me love to hate her i just oh my god she's terrible but i recognize the pathos of the character Uh, she's always been a character with pathos with real. We use word pathetic nowadays to just mean like, Oh yeah, that's pathetic. Like, like it's small or pointless or weak or, or meaningless, but this isn't that this is actual pathos. This is her life is a tragedy and her unlife has been the, the continuation of that tragedy. And now she is literally hoisted upon a spire of her own making the agony. She will be suffering is her own fault. And it's because she tried so hard to control everything. To, to fix everything. To make things go the way she thought they should. And now she's going to have to endure it. And that to me is, is just... This is a place for World of Warcraft that's never been. Yeah, And I- it's just one of the many things Patch 9.1 has brought that it's never had before.
1: We, we often joke that we never have to deal with the consequences of our actions. And in truth, most of the villains and most of the, the NPCs we encounter don't ever have to go through that. Um, technically, even Thrall doesn't have to do that now because he doesn't have to face Garrosh. Like, even that's been taken away from us. And I don't see people as upset about that particular point. Thrall never has to deal with the fact that he killed his own creation uh, and that it was his fault, everything that Garrosh did. Like, there is no reconciliation there. It just it's gone whereas here now there are going to be consequences for this person's actions this is not war crimes this is not a trial this is not you know justice being sought through like just a story this person this this character is going to have to deal with the weight of everything they've done and this is brand new territory for world of warcraft this is brand new territory for the storytelling of this game and I personally am very interested in seeing what happens next as a result of that. And again, I understand the people that are out there, just to kind of circle back to the original, if you didn't get the closure you were expecting at this point, I understand. But I also need you to, to maybe consider that this is just the end of Act 1. We've just reached the first crescendo of likely a three or four part act. We haven't done anything anything more than just figure out a little bit more about what's going on we have an idea that the jailer is going to someplace called the sepulcher which you can look up that word and see what it means um we have consequences being rendered for actions and there's still more story to be told and i again am very excited to see where this goes
0: and um just to go to, to the thing we were talking about at the top of the show if this is not to your liking, if it is not the story you want, if you don't want to keep going with it, that is perfectly your valid. That is your choice. No one is telling you you have to like this or think it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll know because when I tell you that, it'll I'll be like super excited and be like, "You have to like this. It's so good." I, I'm not doing that. I I'm. This is you you make your choices do what you want to do here like like it dislike it find fault with it look for the flaws in it make a make an argument about it do all that stuff just don't do the stuff we talked about this this show you know if people make a people nobody wants to make a better World of Warcraft than the people working on World of Warcraft they love World of Warcraft they 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 don't want to give you a bad time that's not what they're out that's not what they're about that's not what they're after if they don't succeed it's not because they don't care and they there's no universe in which that's true they spend years of their life on this so i myself there are things about this that you know i'm sure joe and i will be talking about in the future there's things about it that i would be upfront and say that i didn't like Mm -hmm. there's stuff that i thought was really cool and interesting um i thought the sylvanas cinematic the final cinematic i'm just going to come out and say this i thought it was pretty good it did pretty much what i thought it was going to do yes um it brought back an idea that i'd been floating since legion uh, and, and I knew she wasn't going to die. Uh, I don't know who thought she was going to die. I don't know who thought this was going to be the big vengeance moment. Um, I don't know what her future is. I don't. And that's fascinating to, to not know what's going to happen.
1: And then I don't even have a reasonable guess either, right? Because that's that's sort of the territory that Matt and I are in. How you guys have been listening to us for several years, it is very rare that we will sit here and say I don't have an idea what that person's future is going. We've been pretty consistent on making guesses and making educated guesses throughout it. This is one of those rare moments where I just genuinely don't know what's going to happen next with her. And I'm,
0: the only thing we can say with certainty is she passed out in front of people who are going to take her captive. Yes, that's it. That's the only thing we know. They're going to want to interrogate her because they say literally right after it happens, we have to interrogate her. So it's it's this is none this isn't even Chekhov's gun. This is like if a guy in the play went, look at that gun. <laughs> it's it's pretty upfront, but yeah. we don't know what the the outcome of it all will be. We don't know what's going to happen, and that's interesting.
1: I would tend to agree. But I think that's where we're going to end it for today, folks. Thank you very much for joining us. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast for the queue, and an ad-free site experience. And again... Thank you very much for joining us and bearing with us through this. Uh, We hope that you are well and that you find positive ways to vent your frustrations should you have them. But with that, we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.